in points like a Baptist preacher where there's 17 points and you get them all. I'm just talking about places we're going to go in the scripture. We're going to look at this evening at five different books of the Bible that all have a chapter number 12 and a verse 2. Now, with that being said, let me start by saying this. It wasn't until 1560 that the Geneva Bible was the first Bible to have both chapter and verse divisions in them. So when God had the men of God pin the word, uh, there were no chapters, there were no verses, there was no 12-2. It wasn't until later that they put those in there just to help the common folk, like myself, to be able to find a verse or find a reference that God could use. But with that being said, it's also interesting to me how God has used that um, in a way to make emphasis in things. We heard just, uh, I believe it was last Sunday night ago, or, uh, where pastor preached about prayers from chapter 9. I'm talking about David's prayer, Nehemiah, those prayers of chapter 9. And in here, we're going to look at five books of the Bible that have a, a chapter number 12 and a verse number 2. Now, there are a few other books of the Bible that have chapter 12s and verse 2s in it. But these five, I think as we look at them, will jump out of the page on us and they will bring to us, I think, a thought or an idea that if we can all get, if we can all, uh, I guess if you could use a word or lack of word, words, so to speak, if we could all dedicate ourselves to, if we could allow ourselves to be uh, given unto this one thought that we'll look at today, it could change our city, it could change our town, it could change our homes for the cause of Christ. And so we'll begin here in our theme verse for our, this past year in Hebrews chapter number 12. We'll begin reading in verse 1 and then we'll look at verse 2. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye should be wearied and faint in your minds. Look at verse 2 there, our theme that we've taken, that we've spoken about, that we've emphasized, that we've talked about that has meant so much to so many of us this year, those simple three words, looking unto Jesus. Pastor told me last year about this time, hey, we're working on the theme, we're working on the, the thought for the next year. And I said, okay, what is it? And he goes, we're going we're gonna to do for the theme, it's going to be looking unto Jesus. I said, I like it. It's a good verse. It's one of those ones that has, has emphasis and it's easy to emphasize started looking at it he started looking at it we both had preached on it we both talked about it and somewhere along the time and i don't remember the specific time i looked down and said man if we could really just learn to live and i said this to pastor i said if if we could just learn to live a life that is this type of life a life that is looking unto jesus that's really the whole goal i said man that'd be good on a t-shirt the 12-2 life 
You know, again, I've said in the past, I'm a, I'm a brander. I'm a, uh, a visual person. That's just who I am. That's the way God created me. Um, marketing is something that to me is interesting and, and, and those things. And I said, man, if we could just learn to live that life, the 12-2 life, I think it's something that's um, important. And immediately another passage of scripture came to my, li- my mind that was 12-2, and we'll go there in a few moments. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I never thought about that. I wonder how many books of the Bible have a chapter 12, verse 2 in them. I took my Bible out, and I started flipping through, and, and I actually cheated. I used a strong concordance and pulled out. How many, how many 12 twos are there? And, and use that. I started to become interested. So this is, this is, this, this is crazy. I had known when I was in Bible college that verses and chapters were not something that was placed there by God when he had the men of God pin it, but it was something that came along later. But it was just interesting to me that five, there was more than five that had a 12-2, but five books of the Bible, chapter 12, verse 2, had one great resounding theme. And tonight I want you to look at these passages with me and I want to challenge you. But at the end of this service, I want to just ask you, I want you to make a commitment. I'm going to ask you to make that commitment. To say, I'm going to be committed from now on to try and live the 12-2 life. Not some novelty type thing, not some uh, cultish type thing, but just something that you can remember. People like me need something that they can remember to recall to remember the thoughts and the decisions. And that's what the 12-2 life, just that little moniker, if you will, is all about. Just the reminder of what it means. We walk through this passages of Scripture. We're going to look at five things. And we're all going to bring it back together. And we're going to try to make one emphasis that I think we can see from the Word of God that will help us all, honestly, if we can get it. Look, we live in a day and age where I honestly believe that God wants to do something unlike we've, we've ever seen or known. We talk about revival, and many of us want to see it. I pray that you do. God wants to see it more. We talk about wanting to see souls saved and doing something for God. God wants to see it more. We talk about a generation that we, that we want to live for God and to serve God. God wants to see it more. And if we'll just give ourselves to Him, We'll allow him to work. I believe he'll do just that. As we pray and ask God to meet with us before we jump into this message, I want you to, this evening, take the time as I'm praying and ask God to speak to your heart. What is it that you came for this evening? Did you come to check off a box? I came to Sunday night service. Did you come for the fellowship? And it's good. I'm thankful for it. Or did you come really to meet with God this evening? Are you prepared to say yes to whatever he has for you? I'm afraid to say that if you have not come prepared to just go ahead and say, God, yes, you're wasting a lot of your time. I don't say that lighthearted. I say that sincere. I want God to deal with me this evening and I'm the one standing up here speaking and I believe that he will. There's been many times that I've Stand to preach a message and God's deal with my heart again over what is here. 
And I'm praying that as our church meets together this evening, as we open the word for just a few minutes, that God will deal with us. But more importantly, that we'll be yielded and given and surrendered to him. Would you pray with me in that way? Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you, we thank you for who you are. God, we could spend all night in prayer proclaiming who you are. A loving God. A graceful, a great, graceful and merciful God. Gracious and loving and kind. Lord, one who desires to work in our lives. One who desires fellowship. One who desires to use us. God, we're not worthy of any of it. But God, I'm thankful for all of it. God, I just want to be used of you this evening. So I pray you would hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray that when we're done with this message this evening, people are not saying, that was a great message, you did a great job. I'm praying that they say, we serve a great Savior. Lord, forgive me of my sins, my failings. Lord, my lack of faith in you. God, I pray that you would use me. Help us now for these few minutes that we're together. Deal with us. God us and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we jump into this 12-2 life, we'll look here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And the first thing here, the 12-2 the, the, the life is a life of faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If I can encourage you tonight, I say, What is this 12-2 life you talk about? Well, the 12-2 life that I'm talking about is this. It begins and ends with the person who created and is our faith. Looking unto Jesus. Verse, chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Each and every one of us have a race. Your race is not my race. My race is not your race. But the truth is, is that we're all in a race. God's given it to, to, for us to do. There's a great cloud of witnesses, those who have ran their race before us, who is looking on. And God reveals to us some things about this race. In chapter 1, he says that there are weights that weigh us down. There are things that come about in this life. While we were at camp, young people, you remember this passage being preached. Brother Brown preached it, and he preached a message called Set down your baggage. Remember that? Let go of the baggage. And he's talking about those weights that weigh us down in the Christian life. The troubles, the trials, the difficulties, the things that we've gone through, the unfortunate events that we've had to deal with, the traumatic things, the unfortunate things, the unpleasant things, the things that we would never ask or want or bring upon ourselves that sometimes weigh us down. We let Satan to defeat us with. We let Satan hinder us by. We let Satan keep us down. We keep... Uh, our, our lives where we're focused on ourselves and not on God. And it is by those weights that we hold. And God says, you have a race to be run. Lay aside those weights. Lay aside the sin that besets you easily. And run with patience. Problem is, is if we do by chance happen to let down the weights, if we do by chance have found a time where we can let go of the sin that easily besets us, most of us don't want to run with patience. We want God's answers, we want God's will, we want Him to show us everything right then and there. 
And God says here that it's not a race that is ran in haste, but it is a race that is ran in patience. And all the while, the goal is set before us. What is the goal? It's not heaven. The goal is Jesus Christ. It is all about our Savior. It always has been about our Savior. And even in eternity when we reach the other side of glory, can I tell you something? It's not going to be about the streets of gold. It's not going to be the mansion over the hilltop. It's not going to be about seeing loved ones. It's all going to be about worthy is the lamb that was slain. It's all about him. We sometimes become so enamored with this life and the things that we give up here that we will have there. And can I tell you, it doesn't matter whether we have a mansion or a street of gold or if we'll ever see our loved ones again. The fact that we will have the opportunity to spend all eternity at the feet of the one who is worthy is what it's all about. It always has been, it will always be about looking unto Jesus. We're so worried about the things that we have to give up in this life that, well, oh, it'll be better in heaven. We look forward to giving up the pain and the sorrow and the tears. And trust me, I'm right there with you. But let me tell you something. It wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Jesus. The streets of gold wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Jesus. The mansion just over the hilltop would not be possible if it was not for Jesus. And as wonderful as heaven will be, and the fact that the Bible says the half has yet been told, it will be so glorious beyond what we can ever imagine. But the truth is, is that you and I, we really won't care. Because I don't know about you, but the one thing I look forward to the most is being at my Savior's feet, praising Him and saying, Worthy, worthy, worthy. Because don't forget, we're all sinners. And what we deserve is a place called hell. We're rotten in our sin. And the creator who came and made us and formed us and knew that we would sin still made us and still loved us and still gave himself on a cross, a cruel torture device of of pain and suffering, not so that he could receive the glory honor, but because he loved us and he wanted to fellowship with us. He said, I'll go, I'll pay their sin debt. I'll be their atonement before righteous God. It was just God and I, I alone will take care of what they cannot do. Why? So that we may spend eternity together. That's our Savior. Are you looking at him? Do you see him? When the trials of life come, when things aren't going your way, when things fall apart, no wonder Paul says, look unto Jesus. When I opened this message, I asked you, I told you I was going to challenge you tonight to walk out those doors committed to live the 12-2 life. The 12-2 life is a life of faith, looking unto Jesus, giving him everything. We look at these teenagers oftentimes and we say to them, teenagers, give your, your hopes, your dreams, your desires to God. Can I say this? Adults, have you given your hopes? Have you given your dreams? Have you given your desires? Have you given him your plans? Have you given it all to God? 
Say, I did that when I was 16, but did you pick them back up when you were 20? I did it when I was 25. Did you pick them back up when you were 30? What is it between you and God that you're not quite there or you haven't by faith said, I'm going to give to God? Let's be honest. I have a nearly six and a nearly seven-year-old. I've got great plans for them. I want to see them become profitable, wonderful, well-spoken young people. I want to see them love God, serve God, live for God. But if my picture of that is never what God has for them, am I willing to give that up? Can I trust by faith that God will be God in their lives? What about you? Mother, father, grandparents. As we near the end of life, maybe we have plans about how we'd like to go into the other side of eternity and things like that. How we'd like to spend the twilight years of our life just doing all these things. Well, when I get retired, I'm going to travel around and I'm going to see my grand... Are you willing to give it up for God? Can you trust Him by faith? The 12-2 life is a life of faith. Would you take your Bibles with me and would you go to Romans chapter 12? We'll look at another thing that the 12-2 life is. Immediately when I began to think of this passage and I said, oh man, that's interesting. You know, Romans chapter 12-2, probably the other great 12-2 of the Bible, if you will. The other one that we come to immediately when we think of passages of Scripture. And my mind immediately came to this passage and I could not help but begin to think about the many times I have myself spoken to the teenagers about this verse or I've heard people preach on this verse or I've heard it mentioned or or referenced or, or called out. It's a verse that many of us could quote. If I started it, many of us could probably finish it in this passage. When we look at it here, Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Can I say to you tonight that the 12-2 life is not just a life of faith, The 12-2 life is a life transformed by God. The problem is that so many of us have been conformed. We live a life of constantly being conformed to this world. Sad to say that many Christians this day live this verse, but they don't live it in the right way. If you went out into the world and you asked a wicked sinner what a Christian should look like and they gave you an answer, would you be convicted? Would you be on your face before God saying, whoa, that's not me. The problem is, is we spend so much time being conformed to this world, we have forgotten what it means to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. See, the truth is, is this 12-2 life is a life where Jesus Christ should be on our mind all the time. You know this. I guarantee you, if you put it into practice, you'll find it to be true. If you find yourself thinking about Jesus, it changes your attitude. It changes your spirit. It changes your outlook. 
It changes the way you think. It changes the way you go about your day. It changes the way you talk to people. It changes the way you react to people. It changes everything about you. Why? Because God is transforming. If we can learn to live Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, it makes Romans chapter 12 verse 2 a whole lot easier. When we're looking unto Jesus in every matter of life, we can begin to think about Jesus. And what happens when we think about Jesus and reflect on Jesus and learn to be like Jesus is that before we know it, our mind has been renewed. Because what's on our mind? It's not what job we have to do. It's not the stress of this world. It's not the bills we have to pay. It's not the troubles that we deal with. It's Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, when you start reflecting on your Jesus, it gets you a little excited. You put a group of preachers in a room and you start talking about what Jesus does. It starts to get loud. It starts to get rambunctious, if you will. You put Christians in the room and you start talking about Jesus and they'll get the same way. You ever been around somebody who just can't help but talk about Jesus and how good he is? Makes you smile, doesn't it? Why is that? Because our God is good. All the time he's good. Always has been good. He always will be good. He is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. He is the rose of Sharon. He's the lily of the valley. You ever been in one of those messages where some preacher stands up and he just starts naming all the names of Jesus? You just start smiling and grinning from ear to ear. I'm not about to try it because I would fail miserably at it. But man, I tell you what, it's one of those messages that will put you on the edge of your seat, make you say hallelujah, praise God, thank you Lord for who you are. Start thinking about all the names of God, how he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provideth. All these words and wonderful things. Why is it that when we talk about our God, we get so excited and we get so energized and we get so encouraged? Because God is good. And Jesus Christ is that peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Man, you can't talk about Jesus just a little bit and it starts to change your outlook on things. The gloomiest day becomes bright. Why is that? Why is that? Because God knew something. He said it right here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by having your mind renewed. How is our mind renewed? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to the word. Well, what's the word about? It's all about him. Say, prove it to me. Should I show you the scarlet cord through the Bible? The blood that was shed by Abel of the the lamb, picture of redemption. Noah and that dove that came and brought the ark. There is only one door, it's Jesus Christ. There is only one way, the ark, it's Jesus Christ. It's always been a picture about Jesus. God, throughout all of his word, is pointing us and pointing us and pointing us and pointing us to the cross. We said it this morning in the message when David wrote and he said, purge me with hyssop. It's all about Jesus. It always has been about Jesus. It always will be about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about your sin. It's all about him and all about his forgiveness. The 12-2 life is a life that's looking unto Jesus, but the 12-2 life is a transformed life. It's not a transformation that happens one time. It's a transformation that is a choice every day. What are you dwelling on today? Tomorrow when you wake up, what are you dwelling on? How many of you, and it's okay if you don't, how many of you have an iPhone? I don't know if Android will do this, but you know I found out something recently. 
Did you know you could set your alarm tone on an iPhone? If you have Apple Music, you can go in and actually pick a song that you have in your library. I didn't realize that. I went in and found a song. I said, you know what I need to be doing when I wake up every morning? I need to be in an attitude of prayer. So guess what I did? I did. I, I went and I found Brother LeBeau's Sweet Hour of Prayer, and that's the song that I wake up to now. You know what it reminds me to do? Talk to Jesus. I encourage you to do this. I said, why did you tell me that? Well, because maybe it'll be help to you. If you have an Android, you're on your own. I'm so sorry. Does it? You can pick the same songs? I don't know what one you can do. Do you have to download it to your phone? Download it to your phone. Find a song that will help you. You want to wake up with your day thinking about Jesus. Go to bed thinking about Jesus. All the day long, think about Jesus. What would it be like if our homes were filled with people who were trying to encourage one another in Jesus? What would it be like if I would actually look to my wife when she's down and try to give her a verse to encourage her about Jesus? Parents, what would it be like you want your teenagers to live a certain way where they're not rebellious and they're not in a bad attitude and they're not in a bad spirit and they're not back-talking and they're not... Anyways, we won't, we won't keep going on these teenagers. Hey, maybe mom and dad, it would be a little bit different if you filled their heart full of Jesus. Talk to them about Jesus. Remind them that Jesus loves them. Remind them that they're important about Jesus. Remind them that you're never going to be the parent that you are supposed to be if it wasn't for Jesus. That you're not perfect, but that you love them and God loves them. Husband, what would it be like if we led our homes and we said, today I'm going to keep our mind, the mind of this home, not on the problems that we have to face, not on the homework that we have to deal with, not on the bills that need to be paid, not on the honey-do list that needs to be done. I'm going to keep the mind of this home focused on Jesus. When we sit down to dinner, of course we're going to pray, but I'm going to give a verse or a thought about Jesus that encourages it. When I see my son or daughter come down the stairs, I'm going to give a thought or a verse that's about Jesus. We're going to make our mindset. It's going to be a, a house just full of Jesus. Could we live the 12-2 life looking unto Jesus, transformed? Would you go to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter number 12? I told you we were going to be a couple different passages. I pray that you don't mind turning with me. Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis chapter number 12. And we come to a passage of scripture where God is giving something great that he has yet to fulfill in its completeness. He's giving Abraham his covenant before him. He's fulfilled it in part. But there's a coming today where he will fulfill it in full. Genesis chapter number 12. He says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Many of this has been fulfilled. The majority of it has been fulfilled. He has been become a great nation. That nation is Israel. It has been a blessing. That person's name is Jesus. And I say to you that the 12-2 life is a life that's blessed by God. See, we look at people like Abraham and we look at Moses and we look at David and we say, well, God made a covenant with them. May I remind you that the Bible says that all the promises of God are yea and amen. They're all yours. You can claim them. 
And no, he may not look at you and say, I'm going to make of you a great nation, guys. He may not say, I'll make your name a blessing. But the truth is, is that God desires to bless us far more than what we could ever hope to be desired. A life lived looking unto Jesus, a life that is transformed, it does something. You want to know what it does? It blesses you and it blesses others. Thing is, is this 12-2 life, it may be a blessing to have, but the truth is, is when we get it, when we focus on Jesus and we're looking into Jesus and we allow Jesus to transform us, it's not about a blessing of material things. The blessing comes in the fact that we get to dwell with him. You know what I'm talking about. Any Christian in this room who has ever spent any time in the Word of God actually being alone with God knows what type of blessing it is to get alone with God and have God deal with you. Any Christian that's ever dealt with God and come to an altar and said, Yes, Lord, whatever you want, when He speaks, it's a blessing to know that the Holy Spirit is there. That confirmation that the decisions you made a long time ago is real, that God is who He says He is, and that God will meet. When God answers prayer, hey, it's a blessing. It's an encouragement. It is that. And God says to you and to me today, He says, hey, I just want you to get a hold of something. If you'll learn, if we can learn to live this 12-2 life, not only will it be a life of faith where we can look unto Jesus, and not only will it be a life where we're transformed and everything's different, it'll be a life where we say, I am so blessed that He gave His life. Think about that song and all the songs. God is so good. I've been blessed. All these things. How is it those people can sit down and pin those things? I know how, because they realize that the blessings aren't about what we have. It's about who we have. How is it that a man can look and know that his wife just died and his children just died and he can sit down in the pain and the sufferings and he goes and writes, it is well with my soul. That's a man who understood what the 12-2 life was about. It's all about him. It's about living a life that's blessed. Should turn over a few more books to Proverbs chapter 12 with me. Have you seen it yet? We're three ways in. Have you caught it? I pray that you do. Proverbs Chapter number 12, verse number 2. I tell you what, I love the Proverbs. So practical, so helpful. Sometimes so hard to understand in a group. You've got to take them one by one. Proverbs chapter number 12, verse 2, and the Bible says this. A good man attaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices he will, con- will he condemn. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord. The 12-2 life is a life of God's favor. I don't know about you, but I, I pray and hope that when I am done here on this earth and my time is done, if he doesn't come to get me, but if he calls me home through death, I pray that people will stand around and be able to say, that was a good man. If ever I'm going to be able to have people stand and say, he was a good man. I've got to learn to live the 12-2 life. A life where I'm looking unto him, allowing him to transform me. 
a life where it's been all about his blessings and all about his favor. One last one, if you will. Would you turn over to Isaiah chapter 12 with me, please? Isaiah, one of the largest of the prophetical books here and so much in the book of Isaiah. We come to possibly the shortest chapter of them all in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, it says, In that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Would you look with me at Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2? Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust him. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. The 12-2 life is a complete life. I couldn't think of a word that really summed up this verse. I did one of those preacher things. I just kind of gave a word that fit with it. Well, look at it with me. If I told you I could help you have a life that says that trust was easy, behold, God is my salvation, I will trust. If I told I could give you or help you see a life where it says not only is trust come easy, but it's a, it's a life where you're not afraid. There's no fear. I will trust and not be afraid. What if I told you that it was not just a life that was full of trust and with no fear, but I also told you it was a, a trust with strength and with a song in your heart and full of salvation. Is there a single one of us that would pass that life up? I'm not sure about that. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Have you caught it? Have you gotten the great theme of all five chapters, verse 2? Have you seen it? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Looking unto Jesus. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it's about being transformed. What are we thinking about? It's by the renewing of your mind. What do you think about Jesus? In, Jesus, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 2 says this, A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord. Isaiah chapter two, 12, verse 2 says, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. So, Brother John, what are you trying to emphasize? It goes back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Would you take your Bibles and just turn back there with me? I could quote it. I could say it and you all would know it, but I'd rather you see it. 
There's something to be said about that verse. Mine eyes affecteth my heart. Wherever Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 is in your Bible, would you take a moment, look at it, and just really, really give a moment to look at the first three words. Looking unto Jesus. See, I stand up here tonight and I, I, I try, to, try to be catchy or try to get something that will take home with you. And I say, and I challenge you, will you live <coughs> and commit to living the 12-2 life? But can I tell you this? The 12-2 life is not some secret formula that I found out. The 12-2 life is the Christian life. It is Hebrews chapter number 12. It starts there and it ends there. It's looking unto Jesus. There's a lot of difficulties we face in life. I know someone who can help you through. There are struggles that we deal with. Worries that we think in our mind and thoughts that we have that are not towards God. Start thinking about Jesus. Say, man, I just like to live a a life. I'm just trying to live this life that's blessed. Are you looking unto Jesus? Maybe you just want favor before men. Before you find favor with men, I encourage you to try to find favor with God. Look unto Jesus. Say, I feel like there's missing, something missing in this life. It's just not complete. Do you have Jesus? Are you thinking about Jesus? It's a daily decision to acknowledge God's grace and mercy, yield to his will and his guidance, and trust in his plan and his purpose. What's the key to the 12-2 life? Simple. It's just relying on him, trusting in him, believing in him. We ask all the time, do you really believe that God is a God who would save your soul? And all of us would say, amen. You truly honestly believe it? I mean, is it something that you claim? Gunmen walk into this room, put a gun to your head, and they say, deny Christ. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to say, I don't know if it's really all what it's cut out to be. Do you truly honestly believe that he is the only way to heaven? You trust him as your savior. How many ever years ago? Maybe it was last year. Maybe it was this year. Maybe it was 20, 30, 40, 50. I don't know how many years ago, but you gave God your all then. Are you still not willing to give it all now? You can trust God with your soul, but you can't trust God with the decisions you have to make. You can trust God with your soul, but you can't trust Him with your child's. You can trust God with your soul, but you can't trust God to bless you and provide for you. Where did we go wrong? I'll tell you what it is. When somebody preached about the cross and we realized we were sinners, we were ready to look unto Jesus. And we stood up from that cross... And we said, I'm ready to live for God. And we've never looked back. 
The thing is, is that the, the Christian life has to be lived with our eyes focused on the cross. Say, Brother John, you don't understand the dealings, the things I have to deal with. You don't understand the decisions and the struggles I deal with on a daily basis. Can I say to you, praise God, I'm thankful I don't. I don't mean that in a hateful way. But I can tell you, even if I did, there's one truth. It ain't going to matter how much I understand. It ain't going to change it. But there is someone who does understand. He is tempted in all points like as we are. He knows exactly what you have to deal with. In fact, he took your sin, your wickedness, and he willingly chose it for himself so that you could have a way. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Say, I don't think I can do this thing. I don't know that I can live the Christian life. I don't, I don't know if I can live this 12-2 life. I promise you, you can. Because God's already got the victory. Jesus has already made the way. He's already paved the path. All you have to do is look into Him. I told you when we started, I was going to challenge you something. Challenge you to live this 12-2 life. I'm not even going to challenge you that. I'm going to ask you a simple question. What is it going to take to make Jesus the God of your life again? We've become so enamored with this world. No wonder the Bible says that these disciples went around the world and they were the ones who turned the world upside down for God. They had been with Jesus. Remember what the Bible says in Acts, that they marveled at these men, that they had been with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to see God do something great in our nation. I want to see God do something great in our town. You know what it's going to take? A group of believers who have gotten the understanding of what it means to be with Jesus. Spend time with him. Dwell on him. Look at him and focus on him. Make him the center of our life. What has taken the place of God and Jesus in your life? Would you give it to him this evening? Head bowed, eyes closed as we stand to our feet. Head bowed, eyes closed as we stand to our feet and I just want to ask you this evening. I know it's a little bit of a different type of message from what maybe we're used to. I know it's a more of a, a look at just some verses. But I want to ask you a question tonight. What is it going to take for Christians, not even Christians, let's make it personal. What is it going to take for God to get a hold of you and get you to live a life that is wholly, completely devoted unto him? If he hasn't got your attention yet, are you willing to get to the point where he does? The altars are open. If you say, I need to come and commit myself to live to this, if you will, just for simple understanding the 12-2 life, would you come? Ask God to help you 
Spend time with God at the altar. They're open.